Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to continue tonight where I left off this morning in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 18, Ephesians six eighteen says that we are to pray always, and like other translations read, with all kinds of prayer in the Spirit. Hey, uh, Pastor, would you, do you know where my 26 translation is on my, you know where it is, don't you, Angela? Yeah, yeah it's in my credenza on the right-hand side, the New Testament Dive it in three volumes. Praise the Lord. He's going to get that uh, for me. We should always be praying with all kinds of prayer. And on every opportunity, I think is the verse I'm looking for. I want him to bring me that. At, at every opportunity, pray in the spirit. And like I mentioned this morning, there are different kinds of praying, different kinds of prayers. They operate on different rules. Uh, and this is one of the things that we should be doing all the time. I told you this morning that uh, uh, the Lord reminded me, just kind of brought to my attention the fact that we're supposed to always be doing that. This wasn't the one that, that uh, was on my heart when the Lord was dealing with me. It was about something else that I was already doing. But he drove home to me the importance of doing this thing all the time. And it reminded me that scripture says always in, in that thing. And I'll bring that up, I think, next. And, uh, and so then I was prompted in my heart to go back and find out how many things are we supposed to always be doing? How many of you would agree that, uh, that if we're told to do something, that's one thing. But if we're told to do something all the time, that's, that's a little bit stronger, isn't it? Quite a bit. I mean, that means, that means he's busy. He's serious about it. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Greg. Hallelujah. Let's look up Ephesians. Well, I'll look it up. You can listen. Ephesians 6, 18. Hallelujah. With all prayer and supplication, praying at all seasons in the Spirit, is one translation. Uh, another one, the good speed says, use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. Yeah, this is the, the, uh, the New English Bible. I don't think the one I was really looking for is in here, but this is good. Give yourself wholly to prayer and entreaty. Pray on every occasion in the power of the Spirit. So we're supposed to be praying all the time. Now, that doesn't mean literally, physically, every moment of the hour, even the waking hour, can you be praying? Because sometimes you're just talking to somebody, you know, so you can't be praying all the time, but we can't have an attitude of prayer. We, in our heart, can always be lifted up to the Lord uh, in, in communion, even though we're doing something else. And if we pray a lot, that develops that consciousness of God's presence and of, and of our communion with him. There should be a communion that's going on all of the time. And that's nurtured when we pray, like he said, always. And uh, like I said, with all kinds of prayer, the different kinds, but then all these different kinds of praying, one of those kinds is praying in the Spirit. And that is praying in other tongues. That's what praying in the Spirit is. And, and we can pray all these other kinds of prayer in the Spirit. Because when you're praying these other kinds of prayer, sometimes you run out of things that you want to say. And uh, the Spirit helps us in our in uh, our prayer weakness, and that's a prayer weakness when we don't know what to pray for sure, full, uh, fully as we ought, amen? And so uh, we find out that Jesus said that men ought always to pray and never give up. There are some things that we pray about that require persistence. Now, the prayer of faith doesn't require a, a, a persistent prayer because the prayer of faith, Jesus told us that in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. He said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you'll have it. Well, when you pray and you believe you receive it, then you have it. You don't keep praying for that. 
And so, but that's specifically in the, in the area of the, of the prayer of faith. But a lot of times we look in the Bible and we see these other things that Jesus taught. And sometimes it can confuse people if all they've ever heard about is the prayer of faith, which we, we, we put a big premium and, and, and focus on the prayer of faith a lot around here because that's where you get your needs met. It's through the prayer of faith. But uh, Jesus talked about other kind of praying. And so in Luke chapter 18, he said, men ought always to pray and never give up. So there are some kinds of praying that, requires, that require uh, persistence because the answer doesn't come immediately because it's not, it's not just a, a transaction between you and God granting something that you asked for you. The prayer of faith is, is particularly and especially a prayer that you pray for yourself, for your own situation, for your need, based on uh, what God has said in his word, what you know belongs to you, and you put your faith out for, you believe you receive it. But there are other things that other people's uh, will comes into, into play. And you can't just force God's will over on people. And so you have to persist so that it gives God time to work. We found in the 18th chapter, we'll go ahead and turn over there. I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, uh, since this is kind of a new concept, uh, we should look at it. Luke 18, he spoke to them a parable, verse 1, that men uh, ought always to pray and not lose heart. That tell, tells us that there, is some situa- there are some situations in life where we're uh, tempted to lose heart. We're tempted to give up. I'm talking about in prayer, not, not you know, just other things, but there are some uh, areas of prayer that can become uh, uh, laborious over time and, and we can be tempted to, to give up and not really stay with it because we don't see any progress. He said in situations like that, don't give up. And then he talked about here about uh, a parable. He gave a parable about a, a, a judge and a woman came to this judge and said, asked the judge to avenge her or to vindicate her. Now, because he was a judge, uh, you're assuming that this was, we're assuming that this was some kind of a legal thing. Someone was oppressing her. Someone was violating her rights. And so she prayed that the judge would do something. And, and this, because he was an unjust judge and didn't care about any, anybody. He said, I don't care about her. I don't care about people. So he just, he didn't do anything for a while. But she kept on and kept on and kept on. He said, well, you know, she's just going to wear me down and weary me. And so just to keep her off my back and away from my door, I'll just go ahead and grant this. Jesus said, listen to what the, what the unjust judge said. And, and, and will your father, will your father not answer the, the prayers of his own? He said, he will, he will answer speedily. But then that, the, le- the rest of that verse always bothered me every time I read it. So the, it, it says uh, here in verse number, uh, shall, and shall God not avenge his own, verse seven, who cry out day and night to him? It would have been good for me and my think if it had just been a period there. But then the rest of that verse says, though he bears with them long or bears long with them. And, and that's sort of a negative. That's sort of a downer on the end of that verse. Like God's... You know, he's just kind of tired of hearing us and he's just going to, you know, he's bearing with us. No, God wants us to bring our petitions to him. So I found out just, and I wasn't really looking for an explanation. I was, I, I was just looking, actually, I was looking for the Greek word avenge. That's how I stumbled into this. I wanted to know exactly what the word avenge meant. So I was looking in my study books, you know, Greek study books and found out that it meant to, uh, like it says in the, in the margin here, to vindicate or, or to bring relief. And then these authors started saying that, that it was talking about that, but then it took to the next verse of, of interest there. It says that, uh, nevertheless, he will do this. Uh, uh, well, the end of that verse is, though he bears with them. Uh, let me find it again. Though he bears long with them. And I found out that that word bear there is the word forbear. And I looked it up in this, this particular uh, uh, study guide, and it was amazing what he said. I looked it up in two or three more, maybe four total. And uh, they all said the same thing. That he's talking about forbearing with that person's enemies. That God doesn't always just do what we want him to do in our lives because he's interested in the life of the other people, even people who are doing wrong. Thank God for his forbearance because, like I said this morning, we've all needed God's forbearance and still do. 
at times. Amen? And so uh, we talked about that, and, and we got, I gave an illustration this morning of one way that can work that, that we're uh, involved in right now. We're praying for, for our nation and for our government and for good leaders, and it looks like, you know, our, our liberties are, are threatened. It doesn't look like they are. Now, don't, you know, can I just, you know, just get rid of a, a, a crawl in my, you know, so to speak. I, I hear people say sometimes, a lot of times on social media, They'll kind of throw, you know, kind of criticize and be negative about people in America, you know, who, uh, who are concerned about their rights and they're saying, well, the church is being persecuted. And, well, Christians are under attack. And they say, well, you know, you don't know anything about persecution. I came from a place where, you know, I was in prison. I had all these things. You know, you, they just sort of laugh it off. Well, we shouldn't wait till we get there. We shouldn't wait until it's against the law to preach the gospel before we assert our rights. We have, we've been blessed with a nation that, that acknowledges our God-given rights and freedoms. And so when that's under threat, we need to stand up and do something. And so we're, so we're praying about our nation and about, about things, but sometimes uh, we, don't, we don't see things happening as quickly as, as we'd like. We know in, on one level or for one thing is that prayer takes time whenever you're dealing with other people. But then I saw this interesting thing that, that God is also interested in those other people. There's people that we say that and we feel are standing in our rights, are standing in the way of our rights and are, and are uh, acting ungodly and promoting things that are ungodly and unchristian. We, we have a tendency to want to throw them all out, you know. Well, God's working. God's working through our prayers. He's interested in saving those people. And he's interested in answering our prayers. And he finished off, he said, he will answer speedily. And that doesn't mean he'll answer today. It just means that when God answers, buddy, it's answered. God can turn things around in, in, in short measure when we stay on the job, when we continue to pray and not, and not lose heart. Amen? So we talked about this. So we should pray always. That was, that was the first one. The one that I was thinking about when the Lord dealt with me about this, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Hallelujah. Verse 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the... Well, that'd be all the time, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be always? Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. You see, when, we, when we're praising God, it's not a sacrifice uh, in the sense that, that it's hard and we're just, you know, we're sacrificing our time and our efforts. That's not what it is. It's talking about an, a, a, a sacrifice in the sense of an offering that you offer up. Praise is an offering that we present to the Lord. And he said we should be continually offering this sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. We were there in Ephesians. Go back to Chapter 5, Ephesians 5, hallelujah. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. Well, does that mean you thank God for the car wreck that happened this morning? Somebody was killed? No. It's talking about, when it says giving thanks always for all things to God, that would have to mean the things that God did. I mean, if, if, if Q came over and, and raked my yard, I wouldn't go to Brother Steve and say, oh, I thank you for, for Q raking my yard. That was great. That just really blessed. Thank you, buddy. I mean, unless he paid him. <laughs> Q likes that idea. No, I would go to the person that did it. Well, I'm not to be thanking God for something the devil did. That'd be stupid. So he's giving thanks for all things unto God. Some people have, uh, you know, misunderstood that and say, well, you know, whatever happens, somebody dies, somebody gets sick, you know, somebody gets robbed. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord for it. We just thank God for it. No, that's not, that's dumb. That doesn't even make any sense. No, anything God does, and he does a lot, he's constantly doing for us. More than we know, we should be always giving thanks. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians and look at chapter 5 in verse number 17. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You'll know what the will of God is for your life. Here it is, giving thanks. This is the will of God for you. There's a reason for it. There's a reason God wants you, not because he's an egomaniac, not because he's just wanting somebody to praise him. It works in our behalf. It benefits us when we praise him. Amen. So rejoice always. That means give thanks always. And, and rejoicing is a little different than just thanksgiving. That went on, that fell on deaf ears, but I, you, need to, you need to hear this. Oh, listen to me. Giving thanks and praise is one thing. Rejoicing is something a little different. Rejoicing has to do with demonstration. In other words, if I stand here and just say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. You're so good. I praise you. I'm not rejoicing. That's not rejoicing. Rejoicing is, whoa, glory to God. Hallelujah. It, it, it involves more of, a, of, a, of, of an emotional, a visceral response where you, from your heart, oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. That's rejoicing. And, and it can involve some demonstration. Amen. It can involve some jumping and shouting. And praising. Sometimes in the morning when I'm by myself, you know, and Angela hasn't gotten up yet, and I'm just, you know, I'm just in there in my state praising God. Sometimes I get up and just dance right by myself. And, and really don't feel like it, not really inspired of the Holy Ghost. I just, oh, just want to, I just want to thank God and I just make myself because it's good to do. But I've noticed if I yield to that, I'll, st- I'll start getting inspired. The anointing will start coming. Glory to God. And I'll just have a good time rejoicing in the Lord. So rejoicing is important. Now, when, you, when it says all the time, we don't rejoice at work a whole lot. Unless you work where I work, you know, you'd get in trouble doing that. And people would think you're nuts and they'd be right, you know, if you, if you just rejoiced in front of people all the time. But uh, so you don't have to go around making a, a nuisance of yourself. You don't have to go around being odd or weird. But you can have praise and thanksgiving in your life all the time and be expressing how thankful you are. You can do it subtly. You can do it often, but subtly and in, and in the right moment and in the right way. You know how to do it and how not to do it. You know how not to make an, uh, you know, a, a fool of yourself and, and be, just look you know, stupid at work. Uh, you, know, you know how to do that. But right at the same time, too often we keep our, our, our devotion to God locked up. And people need to see our devotion to God. They need to know that we communicate. We need, to, we need to demonstrate in our life that we believe God's real, that he answers prayer, and that he's answered prayers for us. And at every opportunity, give a testimony of what God's done. Oh, I'll tell you what, God's been good to me. I'm so grateful. Thank God. You know, you just get blessed in some way. Just come in, you know, sit at your desk or, you know, at the truck, wherever you might be, and just say, you know, thank God. Look what God did for me. Amen. Amen. Praising Giving thanks and rejoicing magnifies God. Now, what that means to magnify God, God God himself, to magnify means to make something bigger or greater or of more consequence. You can't magnify God in that sense because he is all-powerful. He's not going to become more powerful. He's all-knowing. He's not going to pick up some knowledge just because you talk good about him. God is maxed out all the time. But praising increases your concept of God and your awareness of God. Magnifying God makes you more aware of all of those attributes. So, so giving thanks magnifies God and it minimizes your problem. It causes God to get bigger and more capable in your estimation, but it causes your problems to get smaller and less discouraging. That's what it does, praise the Lord. That's why the Lord wants us to do this. And it magnifies God, minimizes our problem, and magnifies or, or maximizes our faith. Did you know praising God stimulates your faith? Now, praising God won't give you faith. We know, how does anybody know how faith comes? Anybody know? By hearing the word of God. That's how faith, it's the only way faith comes except for the gift of faith. No, faith only comes through the hearing of the word. And uh, so that's how faith comes. But remember in Romans chapter four, that it says that Abraham was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He was already in faith, but he was strengthened in faith. In other words, that giving glory to God and that praise kept stimulating his faith and helping his faith. He got faith from what God said, but the more he praised God and the more thankful he was, the more it stimulated his faith. He grew stronger in his faith, amen? 
So, so, so praising God magnifies God, minimizes your problem, and maximizes your faith. Amen? You know, get in the habit of rehearsing how good God has been to you. And, and it's good to go around and just be thinking, you know, just to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. That's good. But, but inter, interwoven with that at, at, at different times, you need to think, be thanking him about how good he's been. In other words, pulling up in your memory, God, you've done this for me. You were so good here. You were so good, so good to me there. Start rehearsing those things. By rehearsing those things, it, it helps your, your heart to be fuller of that praise. When you start thinking about all that he's done, we sing that, when I think of all that he's done for me, amen, makes me want to shout. Well, the, the more you tell God you love him and, and thank him for something that he's done, something specific, and oh my goodness, there's so many things. I, I, I just, you know, I, and that's, so that's what, uh, that's what I've been doing more of. And the Lord, you know, he just, he pointed out that it's good to be doing this all the time. And, and so I'm gonna be doing more of it. Amen. Rehearsing uh, how God's been good to me. I'm so grateful for salvation. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for what he delivered me out of. I, I can remember the hopelessness and the despair that I was in before I turned my life back over to the Lord and, and, and the destruction that was working. I mean, I had destruction working in my life, uh, uh, driving me and, and uh, 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 tripping me up everywhere I went. I was failing in life. I was failing in my marriage. It wasn't working out very well at work. I was a terrible employee. I wasn't advancing. I'd go to work high a lot of times. Just wasn't a good employee. But, you know, when I, when I turned my life over to the Lord, you know, those things, God's delivered me from those things. And, and I'm not looking down at people, but you can't help but look back at your past and look at people that you used to hang out with. And, and after all of these years, you know, uh, 50 years almost, I look back and I, and, I, and I look at the lives of some of those people and that I used to hang out with and their lives are so destroyed. I mean, multiple marriages, divorces, you know, just poverty, not necessarily like, like the lowest pits of poverty, but not blessed at all. And I would have been right there because I was, I was sowing the seeds of 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 lack and sowing the seeds of destruction. I mean, the people that I was closest to have done prison time because of their activities. I, and, and I could have been right in that. God delivered me out of that. I'm so thankful. We, we, have, we, we can thank God for all that he's delivered us from. We can thank him for, you know, for uh, uh, the healings we've received, the answers to prayer we've received. Thank God for direction. One of the biggest things I'm so thankful about is that when Jesus saved me, he didn't just leave me here to make it my own way and to think it out, figure it out, and come up with the, you know, with the best idea. No, he put his spirit in me to guide me. I have an inward guide. You have an inward guide all the time that is constantly pointing you in the right direction, constantly constantly uh, 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 edifying and, and encouraging you and showing, what, showing you what you can do and what he wants you to do. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. We have so much to be thankful for. Amen. I thank God for his provision, for taking care of me. And one thing I've been thinking about here for quite a while, I've been, I've been thanking God about this and for this for quite a while. And I don't know how long, but, but for quite a while, this has been really on my heart. And, and I'll, 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 I'll share this with you. When, when I first got, got married, you know, we were young. We you started out, didn't have anything. And uh, I didn't have a lot of skills. You know, I was a, I was a high school student. And, you know, I knew you know, mechanical things. I, I could, I knew my way around a toolbox, but I wasn't skilled in using those tools. My dad had been a machinist. And so he was very skillful, you know, in mechanical things, but he died when I was 11. So I didn't have an opportunity to learn a lot, you know, from him. And, uh, but I knew how to do a few things around the house because my mother, you know, was a widow. And, and so it was my brother and, uh, and I, we were the only ones there, you know, that, that could do things. And so we, we would fix little things around the house. So I could do a few things, but I couldn't, I couldn't work on a car. I couldn't fix an air conditioner or do plumbing and you know, anything other than, you know, replace a washer. That was about all I could do. 
And, uh, and so I took this job with, with the telephone company, and it was really miraculous. Really, I, I know that God intervened there because I didn't have any skills. I, there, I was, there was no reason to hire me. And I found out after I got hired, I was only 17 and a half when I got hired. And I found out later that the company had never hired anybody under 18 years old ever before. And even they, they couldn't explain it. They were like, but I was past my, my, my trial time, you know, or whatever you call it, you know. And so they couldn't, couldn't do anything. And I, and I think for several years they wanted to. They were looking for ways. In fact, people came to me on the job and said, you know, you need to shape up because I heard the boss talking about you. And they're looking for a reason to fire you. I was told that by coworkers. And uh, so, you know, I, I was just living a, a crazy life and I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good uh, employee. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. And uh, so we struggled. Now, when I went to work for the telephone company, it was Western Electric. That doesn't mean it was an electrical company. I didn't work for an electrical company. That just happened to be the supplier of, um, of, of, of switchgear for the, for the telephone company. So I worked for, for Western Electric installing switchgear in the telephone office. And Western Electric had a pay scale. Uh, if you were not in, in, in management, non-supervisory pay scale, went from one to five. Most of the men who were what we called number five workers, you know, the, that, that were on that level, they had all, they'd all been in the company 20, 25 years. They were the older guys. And uh, so, you know, you worked your way up. Well, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, uh, the, the Christian supervisors appreciated that right away because they saw what a flake I was. And they saw me bringing my Bible to, to, to work and praying. And I, I was, you know, I was earnest. And they saw that. They appreciated that. So they liked me. And they helped me. Now, some of the other people at work, they mocked me and criticized me because I'd gone from one extreme to the other. And they thought I was just, you know, got religion, you know. But, uh, but God started blessing me. And I started moving up in the company. I worked for that company nine years. And when, and when I left the company in nine years of service, I was a number four level. So, I mean, I had advanced pretty quickly and really had been a number four for a year or two. So it was probably seven or eight years, which was, which was pretty remarkable because God had given me favor and I, and I, and I developed uh, an understanding of this particular technology. And so I was put in charge of some things and that opened the door to take bigger jobs and more responsibility and learn more systems and more testing procedures and all that. And so I was growing and it was because of God's blessing on my life. But, you know, we, we still didn't have a whole lot. When I first heard about the word of faith, when I first heard uh, a tape by Kenneth Hagin or read one of his books, you know, uh, that, that the curse of the law, we're redeemed from the curse of, of poverty, sickness, and, and death, spiritual death. And, and so that just, I'd never heard that before. I didn't know we'd been redeemed. I thought we'd just been redeemed from sin and from going to hell, you know. I, I didn't know that, that healing belonged to us. Our church believed in healing, but it was just sort of hit and miss, you know. Sometimes he healed, sometimes he didn't. Most times he didn't. And, and so, I, you know, I was learning about healing and, and prosperity. I'd grown up, you know, with my mother. You know, my dad died when I was 11. She had four kids, and she was on Social Security and veterans, you know, uh, income. And so we didn't have a whole lot. We, we grew up not, I, w- I didn't feel like I was poor, uh, but I, I didn't have a lot that other kids had. So it was very tight. Now, Angela was raised actually in poverty, as a pastor's child, I mean, they lived in, in real poverty. And uh, one of the things her mother said when we told her that we were going out into the ministry, leaving the, uh, my job and going to the ministry, she said, oh, think about the children. You know, I just hate this. To, she said, I remember taking you to church when you were a baby. We didn't even have a coat when a baby and a small child. We couldn't even afford a coat. We just have to wrap you in a blanket and take you to church. So, I mean, she, she grew up real, real poverty stricken. Well, when I got a hold of of the word of faith that God would bless me. You know, my family had a tradition of tithing. We'd always been tithers. And so as soon as I got back, well, not right away, but not long after I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I started tithing again. And so I was giving, and, 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 I, and I heard this message that God would prosper me. And, you know, when you're, when you're 20, 21 years old, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of extra cash. Now, when I worked for the phone company there for the, the last few years, uh, you know, I only worked there nine years, but the last two or three years, we, be, we became a little more comfortable because I was, I was moving up in that pay, you know, grid. And so I was a number three or number four, you know, I was making a good income and we had small children. So Angela could quit working. 
because she wanted to stay home and take care of the, uh, care of the chil- children. When she got out of uh, her first year of college, she took an x-ray uh, school course and she became an x-ray uh, 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 tech. And, uh, but she, she never used that in those first years because I started making enough money and we wanted her to stay home and take care of the kids, which she did. And so it was tough for a little while, but we finally got to where we were a two-car family. They, they weren't nice cars. They were, they were not new cars, but we had two cars. So that was a step up. And, and I remember the last couple of years, you know, I worked for, for the phone company. I'd gotten to where we could actually go out to eat someplace other than McDonald's. You know, we could, Angela and I on occasion, we didn't happen very many times, but I remember a couple of occasions where we went to a nice, really nice steakhouse in Jacksonville and had a really nice steak. And, and so we were prospering, but we still didn't have a lot of extra. Our vacations, if we ever went someplace, we'd go camping or go someplace real inexpensive. You know, remember the camping trip to, to uh, all, we drove all the way up to, to New York and, and Pennsylvania, all through there, you know, and we camped. And uh, so we did, we did vacations like that. They, they didn't cost a lot of money. And I remember then when the Lord led me to leave the phone company, I remember my, my in-laws, Angela's dad in particular, he was just so upset. Because he, he knew how Angela had been raised and that, that things were going well for us. And here, this knucklehead's going to walk off the job, leave his job, you know, good paying job. And my supervisors, they all tried to talk me out of it. Why don't you just stay another year till you get vested in the, in the retirement plan? No, got to go now. God said go. So we did. Well, we, we took a big step back financially because, you know, I was a number four. Did I say that? I was, <laughs> I, that, that, was, that was good pay for a, a man my age. It was real good pay. And, uh, you know, companies like that back then, you know, they paid their employees well and uh, good benefits and so forth. And uh, we walked away from that, just walked away, just turned our back and walked away and went in the ministry. Well, we took a big downward step financially. All along, I'm, I'm tithing and, and being faithful and doing what I know to do and giving sacrificially. And, uh, you know, Greg was raised, you know, we didn't have as much particularly in those early years after we went into the ministry. It was a little tight. And he can tell you some, some, you know, some stories and situations that happened. But in the, in the late 80s, things began, I began to see some improvement. And, you know, I, I always wondered because I, I didn't have enough. I always wondered, God, I know what your word says, but can I ever get there? Will I ever really be prosperous? Will I ever really... Well, I ever really experienced the, the, the running over blessing financially. I just, I believed it, but it was all by faith. And in the mid-80s, you know, we began to get a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, you know, breathing room. And we bought, actually, I bought my first new vehicle while I was at the phone company. But then, you know, we, we sold that. Did we sell that for, to get money to go to Rama? Yeah, we sold it to buy... An old Volvo, or was it the, the, the new one? Okay, the, the, used, the used Volvo. So we sold the van, got the, got the Volvo, and see, I had to buy a van, you know. I was a hippie, I had to have a van, you know. But it was a new van. Well, then I, I, I got rid of that, and I bought used cars after that. But in, in the late 80s, I bought my first new, really new car, I mean sedan. And I bought a brand new Volvo. Of course, I had to borrow for it, you know, and had a, had a note on it, but... You know, it was, it was nice to, to feel like you had some breathing room. And God was blessing us. And, and over the years, God's been faithful. But I'm just telling, just sharing what, what's on my heart. Some of you young people, this can help you. If you feel like, well, you know, when will we ever really get ahead? Will we ever really get to the place where we're prospering, where we've got plenty? I remember in those first few years, in the 80s, even in the 90s, we'd go on those vacations where we'd drive the whole time. Remember that? We'd drive up to this mountain. Okay, we got to the highest mountain in, in, in North Carolina. Let's go to the highest mountain in, in Tennessee. We just, we'd drive and it's like, the kids, can we get out of the back of the vehicle and stop for a while? That's all we, and I don't know where we spent the night, but in cheap dives somewhere, you know. And, uh, but you know, we were doing, we were faithful. And we wondered, I'm just telling you, internally, I wondered, even though I responded to this wonder, I responded in faith and said, yes, I will. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, will we ever really make it? I'm telling you, God is faithful. Remind God of his faithfulness and it'll stir your faith 
for God to do more. Amen. I remember in the, in the 90s, things began to turn around for us a little bit. We started to get what I called some breathing room. Since first time since, since I had worked, you know, for the phone company. That seems like a long time. Well, maybe it was a lack of faith. I don't know. But I'm telling you, God doesn't pay up every Saturday. Your employer might have to pay you every, you know, every Friday or every, you know, Friday, every two weeks, you know, whenever he has to settle up. God doesn't settle up that way. He said he doesn't. You stay with it and God will bless you. I'm telling you, God has been so faithful to me. And thanking God reminds me. I call into, into memory all of the times he's took, taken care of us in sickness, in one thing or another trouble that has come. God has been faithful. He is the faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy. He does. That's what he does. He will always do that. So, you know, if you're, if you're in, your, in those years where you're sowing and so, don't stop sowing. Did you read that already tonight? Did you quote that tonight? Who did? Somebody, huh? Well, this morning. Yeah, this morning. Don't get weary because, because God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And so you keep sowing, sowing faith, sowing good, good, uh, sowing praise and worship and thanksgiving. And I'm going to tell you what, you will come out on top. You will come out on top. Be always thanking God. And then go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Glory to God. Look at verse number 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always... Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, there has to be hope in you for anybody to ask you about it. And you have to be praising God and telling people around you. you have, and it's not just you have to, okay, you know, I've got to get up and tell somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you're living a lifestyle of praise, when you're living a lifestyle where you're thankful, you're just, you have a thankful heart. And internally, like I said, you don't have to be weird at work, but internally you're just, and when you're alone, you're out loud, you're so, God, you've been so good to me. You've been so faithful. Look what you've done here. Look what you've done there. It creates a, an atmosphere, an aura of your life that affects people around you because they see you have something they don't have. They see you have a hope. They see you have something that you believe, something that is, that is uh, uh, controlling and directing your life that they don't need. They see that because it says right here that, that to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. Well, yeah, they have to see something before they'll ask. But what this tells us, if we're doing this always, like he said, we, if, we're, if we're always ready to give an answer, then, and, and, we're, and we're thanking God like we should, and we're praising him like we should, and we're praying like we should, people will ask. Amen. How many times have people asked? People, you might say, well, people never ask me anything. Well, there may be a reason. Maybe not, they might not see any hope in your life. We, we need to live different than the world around us. We need to have joy in our life, rejoicing, thanksgiving, testimonies uh, uh, of how God, just a, just a real quick little testimony of, look what God did. And, and when people see the world falling around, all around them and everywhere there's confusion and fear and, 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 and uncertainty and so forth. And you come to work and you come, you know, wherever you go and you've got hope abounding in you and you've got a, a, a good word and you're thanking God. If I'm saying that people ought to be coming to us, that's what that ought to produce. Now, there are some people that are going to hate you for it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's some people that don't want to hear it. I understand that. But there are people who want to hear it, need to hear it. They're looking for some answer. And when you're living that answer, they, people ought to be coming to us. I'm going to just say that again. People ought to be coming to us. People ought to be, are people coming to us? Are they? I mean, really, I'm asking that for, for, a, for a sobering thought. Are people coming to you? 
and me like they should. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that, that they are like they should or like they could be. Huh? I'm just being honest. Well, should they? Well, according to this, we're, we're, we should be always ready. Well, God wouldn't have us ready for something he didn't expect to happen. Why would he have us ready for something that, that's never going to happen or happens rarely? We should be always ready because these things should always be happening. We should always be ready to give an answer to people who ask the reason of the hope because people ought to be uh, routinely asking us for a reason of the hope. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to be ready all the time. So I'm saying, are we, are we having enough? That could, be a, that could be a good way to judge, a good, a good uh, measure of, of judging our, our walk before other people is how are people responding to this, to us? Are people asking for a word of encouragement? Are they asking for a reason? What, what motivates you? What makes you like you are? Why are you so up all the time? Why are you so positive all the time? Why do you always have a song when there's sorrow? Why do you always have a, a praise report when there's destruction all around? How can you do that? Believe it ought to be happening. Well, thank God, four of you agreed with me. You, can, you, wouldn't hurt, you won't scare me if you say amen, really. <laughs> Always be ready because your heart is devoted to the Lord. Always praising and rejoicing, people will ask. Then he said, when he, when he said, be ready to give an answer, but he said, notice how you do it. With meekness and fear. That simply means in humility. Other translations say with gentleness. Others say with, with uh, uh, courteously with meekness, with courtesy, and with reverence. That's not, that's not the time to unload. When people give you, ask you a question and ask you why do you have, that's not the time to tell them everything you know. <laughs> it's not the time to, to, to boast, it's certainly not the time to boast of anything. But in, very, in, a, in a spirit of humility and with courteousness and, and, and gentleness, you know, and, and with reverence, explain to people, well, you know, God's been good, and this is what I do. I just, I believe him. I've, I see this promise in the word. It's just a real simple answer. I see these promises in the word, and God's, and I've, and I've asked, and he answered my prayer, and you can give an, a, you know, uh, an example. When people ask, give an example. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then the, the last one, the fourth one, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, it's hard for me not to read verse 57, but I'm going to skip it for now. Verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, we should be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Like I said, there's only four things we're supposed to always do. And that is pray, give thanks. What's the third one? Uh, be ready to give an explanation, a reason. And number four, we, are, we should always be abounding in the work of the Lord. We should always be abounding. That means... You know, and you hear me talk about this a lot of times because, you know, I'm encouraging people to, to fulfill their, the call of God on their life in the local church. All of us have something to do. All of us, and we should be abound. Now, what does abound mean? Does that mean just barely skimming by and doing a little? No, abounding is growing. You should always be growing in the, in the work of the Lord. You know, all the work of the Lord is not done here. All the work of the Lord is not done here. Now, this is the primary place that we, that we serve God. This is the primary place we serve God. But the work of the Lord is done all around us. Every day in our life, we can do the work of the Lord. And, and even working itself is the work of the Lord. Just having a job is the work of the Lord. We ought to abound in these things. You know, we, we live in, a, in, a, in an economy right now where everybody's wanting somebody to work. There's no excuse for any able-bodied adult not, I'm talking now, if a wife is staying home or a husband is staying home, take care of kids, kids, that's one thing because that is a job. But, but to just otherwise not work, that's, that's insane. To not work, are you kidding me? Not have a job? 
You know, God says, I will bless all the, all the work of your hands. Well, what are you putting your hand to? If you're not putting your hand to anything, God can't, God can't bless it. Even when we were young, we had our hands to something. When we got back into fellowship with the Lord, we put our hands to something. We were faithful in tithes and offerings, and it still took time. Prosperity is progressive. It doesn't come overnight. It comes as a result of years of sowing and being faithful. God, is, God takes that opportunity to bless all the work of your hand. If you're, if you're 25 years old and you don't work, when are you going to start working? When are you going to put, you're not putting your hand to anything. Well, I'm giving tithes. On what? You don't even work. What are you tithing on? I'm telling you. For a Christian to not have a job is just ridiculous. The Bible said you shouldn't even be eating. The Bible says if you don't work, then you should not eat. So a person that's eating and they're not working, they're eating somebody else's food. They're eating their own food because they don't, they don't own anything. They don't, they're not producing anything. Mama, kick him out. You're not helping him. Living at home, don't have a job, him or her, whoever it might be, you know, just coasting along. That's unscriptural. Kick their rear end out. Say, get a job, dude. Start doing something. Well, praise the Lord. That's the truth. I'm going to just say it again. If you're not working, you're displeasing God. If you're working, you're, you're, you're defying nature. Everybody has to work. Well, glory to God. That's not even in my notes. It just says abounding in the work of the Lord. But I'm telling you, you need to abound in all of the work of the Lord. Your job matters. Tony Cook's got a book, and I think that's the name of it. Your job matters. He wrote a whole book on it. Must be more than just one statement. Your job matters. Where you work matters. Doing something being a, 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 an asset to the community, providing for yourself so you're not always mooching, mooching off of somebody else, whether it's your mama or your neighbor. Amen. Always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Glory to God. Always, 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 always. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> that went a little differently, but that's all right. I'm not going to apologize. Take it back. Amen. If you're not working, get on it because you're displeasing God. And me too. I don't like it either. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, been, I've lived long enough. I'm, I'm, I'll be 70 years old in a few months. I've lived long enough to see a lot of different economies. And there are a lot of economies where, where you can't find a job. Jobs are just not available. And during this time, when people everywhere, I mean, I say signs on the road. You know, to, 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 to have an opportunity to work for the county road department or the state road. I mean, that's a big paying job with benefits. I see a sign every time I go to Gainesville on the side of the road, we're looking for workers to help. I'm thinking, how is that sign still up there? In my day, those positions would be filled like in a, in a day. It'd be 900, you know, applicants to get in to work for the county to work. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I'm not as excited about this as I'm acting right now, but <laughs> amen, it's the truth. It's the truth. Go to work, abound in the work of the Lord. Always, 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 always. Life is short. Don't spend the 30 years of your life, first 30 years of your life doing nothing. You'll never catch up. I said, you'll never catch up. If you, if you waste your most productive years, how will you ever amount to anything? Always abounding, and that, that's involved in, in natural work, but in spiritual work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't put it off till tomorrow, what you can do today. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so good to us, Father. We're so grateful. Oh, we give thanks, we give thanks, we give thanks, we give thanks, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pray always. With all kind, you've given us all kinds of prayers that cover every situation in life. There's a way to pray. There's a way to pray and have victory and have answers in every situation in life because you've, you've made it available, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the blessed, a blessed 
uh, ability to pray in the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Where would we be without the ability to pray in the Spirit? We'd be praying in the dark so much of the time. Praying with the, the blinders of our own understanding, blinding us to what we should pray and how she would, we should pray. Thank you, Father, for the ability to pray in the Spirit. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to continually remind ourselves through thankfulness, through being, for being grateful, for giving praise and, and rejoicing because it, it stimulates our faith. It magnifies you in our own heart and our own understanding. Our problems grow smaller and smaller. Our faith grows stronger and stronger. Thank you, Father, that you've ordained praise. You've ordained praise. So, Father, we're going to give ourselves to that. Glory to God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can always uh, be fruitful in the work of the Lord. We can always abound in the work of the Lord. We can always be ready all the time to give an answer to those people who are coming to us. If we do these things, people will come to us. People will ask us. And we can be ready, Father. Thank you for that. What a, what a plan. What a plan. What a plan. You've told us everything we need to do to have a productive, blessed, fruitful life in, in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm where our testimony means something. We're able, we're, we're, we're able to reach people. Thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. You're so good. Thank you, Father, for these four always. They're not too much. They're not too great. They're easy. They're easy. All it does, Father, is it just takes a, a, a realignment. It takes us getting our thoughts right and, and, and just straightening up and purposing to do what you said do. In all of these four areas, and our life will be productive and be fruitful, Father. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're so faithful to me, Father. You've made me, of all people, fruitful. Just so unlikely that could ever happen. Father, you've done it. You're so good, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.